0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Dirty Money. Mike, I'm back like I never left. And we got a few exciting things to talk about today. One, we're going to talk about crack pipe vending machines in New York City. I don't know, you probably heard about it a little bit, but they spent $600,000 on a vending machine to give away free crack pipes. Pretty crazy. We're going to also talk about what's going on with Apple Healthcare and how they really want to dive into the healthcare world and get funding. Uh, set up for all of that. And Charlie Munger, who is partnered with Warren Buffett, basically said that God is giving him money from Japan and it's falling out of the sky. And also the U.S. economy is up 4.9% in growth in the third quarter of this year, something no one saw or predicted coming. And last but not least, we're going to talk about tip creeping into your world. That means The tips that everybody keeps asking for when there's no one really there giving you a service that's been new or different is continuing to try to get you to give them tips. So if you like our show and you're interested in what's going on, make sure to follow us, like us, get to click the button. If you're listening to the podcast, download it, give us a five-star review. Any of the above would be greatly appreciated. Helps get the word out. But let's get everything started crackly or crackly, however you want to look at it. So interestingly enough, the city of New York deemed that it was more productive to spend $676,000 on a crack pipe vending machine in New York City to give away to drug addicts. And this would help to actually stop the drug epidemic that's happening in uh, their city now it really blew my mind so a typical vending machine costs around 10 11 you can get them used for like two to three thousand uh, dollars brand new ones 10 11 12 maybe fifteen thousand dollars for the high-end digital tech but these guys spent six hundred and seventy six thousand dollars, and i and i got wind of it from this actual uh clip i saw from a fox news broadcaster uh I'm not saying Fox News knows anything. I'm not saying whatever. doesn't matter. What I'm trying to get at is, is that this guy started to break down where all this money went. And it turns out it's pretty
1: intense. So we're going to watch the clip real quick. Remember the crack pipe vending machine in New York? Instead of Doritos, you got free crack pipes. The neighbors hated it because it created a mecca to junkies. Eric Adams put this vending machine out there. What do you want to tell him? Take back. You need to not put drugs in our community. I mean, if you want to put something here, put something for the kids to learn, put something for the kids to do useful, you know, with their lives. Right. not drugs. I want this moved. I don't want this here. I think this is a horrible idea. Primetime FOIA, New York City for the crack pipe vending machine. You kind didn't one. And we found out that New York City Paid $670,600,000 for one vending machine. If we wanted free crack pipes so badly, why didn't we take a regular vending machine we already had, remove the Milky Ways, and put in crack pipes? But here's the kicker we found out the crack pipe vending machines only really cost 10 grand a pop. So where'd all the other $600,000 go? A bunch of nonprofits skimmed the money off the top. They said the money was for training. So, we just paid someone $650,000 to train a guy how to plug in a vending machine. So, that being said,
0: it's pretty interesting that these guys deem they had to spend over $650,000 on crack pipe training. I mean, I'm pretty sure you could give somebody $50 that smokes crack, and he would be very happy to train you on how that whole process works. And it's pretty astounding to me that. This actually passed, and it, it's viable. And the truth is, is that these two government organizations, uh, uh, or they're five hundred one c three nonprofits. Uh, one's called Services for for the underserved. And then the other one was called Vocal N Y. Now, Services for the underserved they've been around since nineteen seventy eight, and ninety nine point nine percent of all their funding comes from providing services that are funded. By the state of New York or New York City. So all their money comes from that. Now, interestingly, their new CEO, Perry Pullmutter, makes $380,000 a year from being a nonprofit CEO. Now, the numbers I looked at went back to 2018 and showed that services for the underserved. Brought in about fifteen to seventeen million. Now there's other reports from like Glassdoor shows in they're bringing in a hundred to five hundred million dollars in revenue. Um, they also say that they've helped uh, twenty five thousand people uh, through their services. And I'm not saying everything they're doing is mediocre or bad, but really there's a lot of dirty money in that company. And it, it, you know, especially when the top of the food chain's making close to uh, ten thousand dollars a week. It seems pretty extreme for somebody who wants to be a non profit to help people. Um, Vocal NY is another company that was part of the training process, they got two hundred thousand dollars. Um, interestingly enough, they're asking Congress to fund their new headquarters in New York for three million dollars, and they also do some interesting uh financial. Uh, political donations to a lot of different parties, so it's it's pretty interesting. But Vocal NY says it's a statewide grassroots membership organization that builds power among low income affected for HIV/AIDS, the drug war, mass incarceration, and homelessness in order to create healthy and just communities. Um, now, I'm not saying don't try to help the the needy, but fundamentally. If you're getting 200 grand, I wonder where that money really went. I tried to look into their board of directors a little bit. Didn't really get anywhere. And the same thing happened with uh, the services for the underserved. You couldn't really find too much information on a, com- on a company that's essentially been around since 1978. There, there was not really much information on it. Uh, I did find in 06 that the services for the underserved went to a 501c3 vocals for vocals ny hasn't been around for that long but it's voices of community activists and leaders uh in new york that that's what the vocal stands for so needless to say uh if you need a crack pipe make sure to head to new york city they're giving them away for free the other thing that i thought was pretty interesting is did you see the packaging on the crack pipes there they're they're nicely packaged and little Little uh, sealed bags. And who got paid for that? Where was the government contract for manufacturing and distributing uh, crack pipes? Uh, I'll look into that another time. Next on our topic list is Apple Healthcare. Now, Apple Healthcare, I don't think they're going to be trying to give away crack pipes anytime soon. um, But they have spent billions and billions and billions of dollars trying to crack the code for the healthcare world. Uh, essentially, their biggest achievement to date is the health app that really is with their Apple Watch. And they've really tried to get like to where they can do blood, plush, blood pressure reading, blood glucose reading, uh, EKG, and a lot of different things. And, and their goal and their target is to use that software and then interconnect into a web of clinics – where they can better provide information to the service providers like the doctors and the nurses to to better assess a patient before they come in or for whatever issues may happen. Now, unfortunately, they're not a healthcare company and the technology is still a little far off. But just in 2020 alone, they spent $20 billion on R&D for creating this technology. Um, they're looking to, to do a lot of different things, but in 2011, they, they created kind of like a, a secret company called Avalante, uh, that worked on the health monitoring and device apps. And, uh, you know, there's stories of Tim Cook going into the facility with his hat really low. So people couldn't see him, but obviously news broke around 2018 when, when apples, you know, made the announcement that they're really going forward to create uh, this healthcare platform for their users. Uh, it's pretty smart, actually, when you think about it. One of the largest industries in the world is healthcare. Uh, on, a, on a worldwide level, it brings in $12 trillion a year. That's like one-third of the U.S.'s GDP but in the united states the estimates for the healthcare community uh, revenue is around 808 billion dollars um, and what apple's targeting to do is they by 2027 they want to have a 300 billion dollar revenue stream in the healthcare world now if you haven't seen apple's healthcare products platform website it's pretty interesting um, and it kind of goes into all the details for what's going on but but really what what they want to do is they want to create clinics kind of like the CVS healthcare world now in 2018 they decided that they were going to kind of test pilot the whole thing by doing AC wellness for all of their actual employees at the Cupertino world headquarters in California and they ended up realizing that it's a lot more management on the healthcare side to actually go forward and to become profitable with employees coming to them for healthcare services and needs. So it's really interesting also to see where they're going to go with that. Uh, they have obviously the backing to do it on a on a more scalable level. Amazon's really stepping into this world right now by doing their stores, the Amazon basics, they own Whole Foods. So I think if Apple really and Microsoft want to start to compete with the Amazon technology of the world they really have got to start getting into the retail uh, space Uh, besides just their uh, hardware stores where you can get most of their devices and computers. They've got to really start stepping into uh, a retail services space and and providing things like that. So, or, you know, daily goods and other things. Another thing that's really interesting is, is their new uh, vision pro that's supposed to come out is actually going to launch. here in the next year or so, a health care coach, AI. I'm pretty interested to see how a healthcare coach, AI works. I mean, my experience with AI, it's pretty advanced. Um, It's, it's getting pretty ridiculous and we'll see how much it really impacts the world over the next decade and how effective it can become or how destructive it becomes to our society as we start to see the disparity between those who have and those who don't, which has grown more and more since 2020. But talking about disparity between those who have and those who don't, needless to say, Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett are definitely those who have. Um, So in 2020, uh, Warren Buffett went up to Charlie Munger. That's like his number two in command at Berkshire Hathaway Investments. And he said, let's invest into japan at the time japan's interest rates were at 0.5 percent. think about that 0.5 percent. you and me right now we want to go buy a house we're paying anywhere from seven percent to eight percent on the loan if we want to buy a car it's even more ten percent maybe depending on your credit score but since they have an impeccable amount of money and they've been making billions and billions of dollars for multiple years you know 30 plus years They are able to borrow money at five point five percent That's a half of a percentage point. And what did they do? They took $6 billion of borrowed money, and they invested it into Japanese companies. They bought $6 billion worth of stock, and they chose companies that gave a 5% annual dividend. Genius. No, I mean they three x six billion dollars in three years, just on getting that dividend number back up. So that that's pretty amazing to think six billion turned to seventeen billion. Now you you hear people ten xing you know a hundred grand or a million dollars or even ten million dollars. But when you're talking about billions of dollars, and and you're going to make a simple investment, and you're getting back a three x number over three years. I mean, you're making 100% on your money annually. That's beyond impressive. Um, So interestingly enough about Warren Buffett, though, is that this guy made 99% of his wealth after the age of 52. And he's always stuck with the thing that says, you know, you're never going to get rich quick, you get rich slowly, and no one ever wants to do it. So if you, if you take proper investments, you take the time, you go forward, then you do this well. Now, in order to get that kind of money into the open market, $6 billion, without having some regulations come at you, you've got to do it incrementally. It takes time. You can't just pull $6 billion and to buy a billion of this stock, billion of this stock, billion of this stock. I mean, there, there's not that much available. So as as the shares become available, they purchase them. So it's a slow, steady process process over a year to make sure that they put that money in that liquid into the market and so again it's a slow and steady process to pull it out they're just not going to dump all the money and then have it create an issue but if you've got money at that percentage you might as well leave it there if you know you're getting a five percent dividend on it i I couldn't see them making billions of dollars any other way so that's to me is a very very impressive uh business and, and you know Something like that is not something that's normal. I mean, I feel like Warren Buffett can go into the future along with David Groning, um, who is the uh, writer of The Simpsons. Um, or maybe it's Matt Groning, sorry. But um, either way, it's pretty interesting to think that Warren Buffett continues to come up with these incredible ways to just bring ridiculous results to the investment world. But uh, if you're looking to get rich quick, he's not the guy to follow. If you're looking to spend 20 years, 30 years of your life slowly building up your income, I mean, put it that that that's the guy to do it with. Again, not financial advice. I'm just talking to you. Um, and interestingly, uh, another thing that grew significantly in the third quarter of 23 this year is the U.S. economy has jumped. 4.9%. That's crazy. We haven't had that kind of growth since we came out of 2020, uh, the COVID hysteria and all that. And and it's really interesting. I don't know if this number is really because COVID still we're not in full full growth mode from what we were, you know, before COVID we were building 900,000 houses a year. Um, I don't think we've hit those numbers yet uh to get back to that building pace. So I feel like we're still Seeing the return of the entire world being shut down from COVID in 2020, and that the economy is just now hitting different bursts at different times, Uh, a lot of the the growth in the third quarter is just completely unexpected. You see a 4.9 percent quarter. You know, uh, it's interesting because the fourth quarter is usually where you see that kind of bump because you got holiday spending, you've got all that stuff going on, but. From July to September uh, in the United States, we saw 4.9%. And, and that's really when the interest rates from the Federal Reserve started to taper off. And we didn't see so much of that happening. Uh, the increases, you know, constantly from, from the Federal Reserve. But, but still, interest rates are high, you, you know, for what's been traditional over the last uh, 20 years, ever since uh, pretty much 2005. Interest rates have been pretty pretty low, you know, three percent, four percent. Now we're double that, eight percent, seven percent. You're doing commercial loans. You're looking at ten to twelve. If you're doing hard money loans, you're looking at fifteen. So it's it's a very interesting perspective to think that our economy is still going at this four point nine percent. I do a few different things when it comes to real estate, and I know money right now is around ten to twelve percent. So, uh, and the margins are less, but there's still margin there. Um, they're just not making money hand over fist. So I think part of this growth has to do with the fact that you might not make 10% or 20% on, on what you're doing with your business or you, where you're taking that loaned money and putting it, but you're still going to make six, seven, 8%. And as long as you're, you're beating what you invested or you're beating what you got the money loaned to you at, well then, you know, and I'm saying six or seven percent after you you pay that. So you have a you know twenty percent margin or seventeen percent margin on the entire project and the loan is ten percent. So it's it's pretty interesting to uh really see how the whole thing's going. Um last but not least I want to talk to you about how tipping culture continues to affect our world. Now, there's, there's this short I want to show you. It's pretty uh, interesting. Culture of
1: tipping yes. for everything. Yeah. Well, listen to this. There's a self-checkout kiosk, several of them, at, at, at the airport. They're prompting customers to leave a Wait. tip. Yeah, but it's. Do you see that? It's starting at fifteen percent. Yeah, you right, can't it leave goes like ten, there. maybe five. You're at the Chibo Express at Newark, and you got there's no workers there. You got your own bottle of water and your prepackaged sandwich, That's and it. you go to pay for it. It's
0: exorbitant to begin with the prices, and then you have to pay a minimum of a fifteen percent tip. Who
1: gets that money? I have
0: no idea. That's what everybody's asking. But the latest survey from Bankrate says seventy five percent of companies are. Ex- exploiting us by offering tipping when you go to pay digitally you never know where that money goes it's their workaround of not having to pay their workers more they're making us through tips add to their workers um uh, wages i think this backfires in the end okay yeah so self-check kiosks that are asked for tips you can find them in places that aren't fast food but they're similar to like panera starbucks firehouse even most bakeries airports coffee shops the, they're starting to ask for tips where there's no human interaction, which is really crazy. And, and you know, I'll, the term that's going around is like emotional blackmail. And for me, when I look at the emotional blackmail uh, concept, ideology, it's like our society is living in a safe space society, or or something that should be comfortable for everybody. Let's be clear: we live in the human world. There's nothing that should keep you comfortable all the time. Like that's how you progress as a human being is you go through tribulations, you go through trials, and and you grow from those trials and tribulations. You know, and and it's interesting to think that people look at it from that perspective. Um, It could, it seems, businesses could be using the practice to you know really pass the money on uh, that they've incurred through inflation so that they can cover some more of the costs that they're losing. But at the end of the day, every business is trying to just etch up their profits every single day, which makes sense, but it has to be done within reason. And uh, personally, if someone asks me for a digital tip and I haven't been serviced by them, meaning they haven't walked over to my table, they haven't taken my car and run and got it, there's a couple of things I will tip for. And that's uh, wait staff, that's, you know... Uh, People taking my luggage when I'm on vacation or people you know, valeting my car. Pretty much that that's what I'm going to tip for. And those are more traditional things that you see tipping for. But when I'm at a deli style or I'm at a um, cafeteria style food place or I'm just picking up some beverages or going to a grocery store and they're asking for a tip, there's no way it's coming. Because I'll just press no. I'm not gonna use that to emotionally distress me in any way, shape, or form. I understand the value there. And if they they feel like that I should tip them, maybe they should not have that job, or maybe they should try for a different avenue. Ask for a tip verbally. I think that would, you know, uh we are we are allowing tips now. Would you like to tip? And then you then you're really putting somebody in a position where they're now asked having to answer you. Um, so, so what's really interesting is that the federal protections for tipped workers and the Fair Labor Standards Act doesn't extend to machines. So the employees may not
1: receive any of the tips.
0: You want to talk about dirty money? All these machine tips do not necessarily reach the employees. They they. Do not by law have to give them those tips. So again, gives me more of a reason not to do what I do. Uh, so there's no way that I'm going to give a machine a tip if I want to tip you. I'm going to try to give you a dollar bill or or something that that is of value. Um, what's the purpose of moving the machines, automating most front workers still, and asking for tips? You know, like could there could there be other purposes? Uh, You know, could they be moving money around through these tipping services? I mean, a lot of a lot of things in the past definitely pointed to cash transactions taking place to, you know, unscrupulous people laundering money and things like that. But the truth is, is once it goes digital, things get pretty rough uh, to to high. But mostly in the United States is the tipping culture. When you go outside of the United States uh more Europe Asia you don't really run into a lot of the different uh you know ask for tips it's kind of usually included in the price of what you purchase because they know that there's somebody there working that's deserving of a tip uh going above and beyond what they should be doing so if you're outside of the US i kind of want to know in the comments if you've observed similar tips with the trends in the stores Uh, where they're asking you to tip digitally and then uh, I'm curious about your perspective of what your percentage for getting a a cup of coffee for a tip would be inside of a restaurant so you're sitting around waiting for a flight those are a couple things I'd like to hear people's feedback maybe in the comments below just see what you think and if again if you're enjoying what I'm saying and you like what's going on you like the research and and the perspectives, please click the like button, click the follow button, hit the ring button, uh, do the podcast five-star review. I would greatly appreciate it. And look out next week for another episode of Dirty Money.